0: So I'm going to actually preach from the verse that immediately follows that passage. Uh, Thanks for that song, that was great. Um, We are, for a few weeks, going to take a look at uh, some one another uh, scriptures in the New Testament. There are a number of one I think there are maybe 11 or 12 one another passages that describe our life together in Christ in the church. And so today we're going to look at encourage one another. Um, And this kind of builds on the... The series that we've been doing on uh, the church and finding our gifts and serving uh, being the body of Christ together. So I want to read actually two passages today. One this one from 1st Thessalonians and then another short verse from Hebrews 3. So listen to the word of God. Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as in fact you are doing. And then from Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's pray together. God, we pray that uh, you would speak to us today a very clear word, uh, that it may penetrate our hearts and our minds and help us to uh, take another step forward in our walk with you, in our life of faith. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, I think I'd be on safe ground today if I said that one thing that we all need in life, on a daily basis, probably, if not more, is encouragement. We all need an encouraging word from time to time because life gets hard. And we can get easily discouraged both by life and also just in our faith. Life has its ups and downs, and we need the encouragement from other people from time to time. Now, sometimes we're pretty good at putting on a facade or putting on a face that says we don't really need encouragement, that everything's going well, that we have it all together, and life is just fine. But underneath the veneer that we sometimes project, most people... Need encouragement for one thing or another almost all the time. My, I have a good friend. We've known each other since first grade. His name is uh, Bill Armas. He was the best man in my wedding. And it's great having a friend that long, right? Uh, and he's a very upbeat person, very positive, uh, funny. Oh my gosh. He is so funny. And a very gregarious, he's in sales, so that kind of gives you an idea of his personality, kind of the life of the-party kind of guy. But he went through a difficult time a number of years ago, really had a hard time and was hurting, discouraged. And you know, he likes to give me advice from time to time on how to be a pastor. <laughs> I think he kind of sees himself as the everyman, you know, the guy in the pew who, uh, who wants to keep me grounded so that I don't get uh, a little too theological or a little too philosophical from time to time. And so he told me as he was going through this time, he said, Steve, you know what you have to remember when you preach? You have to remember that probably most everybody, or at least a good portion of your congregation, every Sunday, is going through a hard time and needs encouragement. He said, as I go through this hard time, I go to church every Sunday and, and I'm thinking to myself, just give me a word of encouragement today. That's all I need. Give me something to get through this next week. And I've taken that advice to heart. That's why I hope you find that my preaching is encouraging. Because I think life is hard, whether it be a difficult marriage or difficult children or career problems, or whatever it may be, or even just the sheer pressure of living life today in the 21st century and the pace of life and the news that we receive all the time, 24-7 about all the problems in the world. We can get easily discouraged. We need encouragement. And I think if we could somehow put it on God's lenses, and see the people around us through the lenses of God, and as he sees them, for God sees all that we're going through. He gets past the veneer and the facade. I think if we could have those kind of lenses, and see the people that we meet each day through those glasses, I think we'd find that most people need encouragement. I think that's why God's plan for us is that we don't walk this journey of life by ourselves, but that we walk it with other partners, people who love us, people who regularly, as this verse says, give us encouragement, who fill our tanks maybe a little bit when we're running on empty or who lift us up when we are down, who walk alongside of us especially during the discouraging times of life. You know, I love how the Bible says that we are a family of God, and that we are brothers and sisters to each other. I think that says a lot about the type of relationship we are to have in the church in the body of Christ. We are to be people who encourage each other who pay attention to what's going on in each other's life to maybe take the time to really listen to somebody as they tell us what's going on in our lives. That message, I think, is just so clear from our passages today. Not real complicated, and this message isn't gonna be very complicated. Pretty straightforward. Encourage one another, the first passage says. Build one another up, from our second passage. You know, this word for encourage occurs over a hundred times in the Bible. It seems like God wants it to be an integral part, component of our life together. You know, one of the dreams for my church, for our church, is that every one of us would leave Sunday mornings more encouraged than when we got here. That our our step would be a little lighter, that we would receive words of encouragement, either through the message or for the hymns that we sing, through the prayers that we pray, but even more than that, through the conversations that we have out on the patio, that we would pay attention to each other and listen for maybe that, that little nuance of a, of a sentence where we get a sense of what somebody's going through and give them encouragement, lift them up, You know, some people have talked about uh, changing the name of our church so that it would appeal to a broader community than just Piedmont. And I'm not saying we're going to do that, so don't worry about that. But if we did, I would love for us to be called the filling station. (laughs) A place where you come every week and you're filled up. And you're encouraged to to live the life that God has called you to live for the next week. So how do we do it? Two words, actually one word and one phrase that we see in our passages for today give us hints as to how to encourage each other. This first word is encourage. Great. This is one of my favorite Greek words in the New Testament. It means, well, let me break it down. Para means around or alongside. And then kaleo, kale'o is the word, means to call out or to call out alongside is the picture that we get. To encourage each other. Calling out an encouragement, telling others that they can make it, that the finish line is almost there, exhorting to persevere, to hang in there, when they are feeling tired or wondering if it is worth it. And this may especially apply to our walk of faith. You know, being a Christian today is not really easy. I mean, we are going countercultural as Christians today. And I don't think it, our culture today, especially here in the East Bay, inner East Bay, I don't think it's neutral anymore. I think it's almost anti-Christian. You know, in, in our life group last week, we were talking about uh, which is our small group, on th- which meets on Thursday night. We meet to encourage each other, to walk through life together, to study the scripture, to uh, review the sermon from the week before. And I asked them, you know, what do you get out of this group? What's, what, how do we care for each other? What's, what's encouraging to you about meeting every week to do this? And, you know, a number of people said, you know, it's good to just be with people who are walking on the same path I'm walking on. Because we don't get a lot of encouragement to run the race of faith, as it's called later on in Hebrews. To run the race of faith. In fact, we could get discouraged. Man, students in college today, public universities, they're ridiculed oftentimes for being a person of faith. High school students can be ostracized because they have, hold values that are different than maybe the majority of their classmates. I know persons who have been passed over for promotions because of their faith. And all of this can wear us down. We begin to wonder if it's worth it. In the midst of the race, you know what we need? We need people who can come alongside and encourage us. You know, the Olympics, uh, they're the best source of illustrations for a pastor that there is. <laughs> right? Always great things happen in the Olympics that just are great illustrations of life. And I think for me, the, the greatest illustration I've ever seen was from the Barcelona Olympics. It was the men's 400 meter race. And I remember this like it was yesterday. And the, the gunshot, Runners took off, and almost just seconds after the start of the race, a British runner just pulled up. And if you're an athlete, you know as soon as you see someone pull up and grab the back of their their thigh, it's a hamstring pull. And that's a debilitating injury. So he just fell in a heap in agony onto the racetrack and was writhing around in pain, very painful injury. And then something remarkable happened. He got up. And still in tremendous pain, he started limping and then started hopping. Now, he was not going to win the race. I mean, the race was almost over by the time he did this. And he certainly wasn't going to win a medal. But he was going to finish that race. And he began hopping and the crowd started cheering for him. And then out of the stands came this figure. And walked down, ran down onto the racetrack and started running toward him. And out of the corner of the eye, he saw this figure coming toward him. And initially, he pushed him away. And finally, he looked at him and realized it was his father. Now that almost makes you cry, doesn't it? Coming down from the stands, and together when, they realized, when he realized it was his father, they, they hugged each other, they wept together, and then arm in arm, shoulder and shoulder, they, they finished the race together. alongside. What a great illustration of Para caleo. of coming alongside someone, encouraging, helping that person finish the race or whatever. They might be doing that is what god does in our lives he comes alongside of us in the difficult times of life when our lives are in a heap i hope you feel it encouraging us calling out to us and he calls us his brothers and sisters in christ to do the same thing encourage one another Daily, it says, as long as today is called today. So consistently encourage each other. The other key phrase is this phrase, build each other up. This has a little different twist to it. This is construction language, right? I think this addresses those times in life when we're kind of slumping, when our confidence wanes a little bit, when we're discouraged by criticism or feel like a failure, when we get beat down. And we need to be built up when we doubt ourselves. So this is to help somebody walk tall, to give them confidence when have someone believe in you. Maybe when you don't believe in yourself. You know Jesus, he was a master at this, wasn't he? Seeing the potential in people and calling it out to them. Saying it to their face. I love that Picture of him looking at Peter after Peter had denied him, looking at him in the eye and saying, Peter, you know what? You failed. But it's upon you I'm going to build my church. You're the rock. Seeing something in Peter that I'm sure he didn't have, couldn't see in himself at all. It's powerful. What we can do to another person. You know, Martin Buber says this. He said, The greatest thing any person can do for another is to confirm the deepest thing in him, in her, to take the time, and that's key, to take the time and have the discernment to see what's most deeply there, what's inside of that person that they may not even see in themselves. See what's most deeply there, most fully that person, and then confirm it by recognizing it and encouraging it. You know, I'm sure we have all had people have do, done that to us in our lives. Perhaps a teacher, a parent, a relative, a friend. It's an opportunity to change a person's life. We have that power. To see the gifts, as we've been talking about gifts and strengths that we all have. I think one of our, our jobs as brothers and sisters in Christ is to see the gifts in each other. And to call them out. And to say, you know what, I see this gift in you. I see this strength in you. We all know J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Great writer. You know, his book, Lord of the Rings, Uh, Amazon had a survey at one time, and and customers said this is the greatest book of the 20th century. Lord of the Rings, and he wrote The Hobbit and other books. You know that those books almost never got published? Because Tolkien didn't see himself as a writer. He kind of wrote as a hobby. It took 40 years for him to write those books because he didn't work on them full time. He... He saw it as just something for himself. And he often was discouraged about his writing and he would hit walls. But during that time when he was at Oxford, he was in this small group called the Inklings. And they would meet at a pub, they were Oxford intellectuals, they met at a pub once a week. And in this book was a man named C.S. Lewis, or in this group was a man named C.S. Lewis, another great writer. Christian apologist, and a professor at Oxford. And a regular part of these meetings together was to read each other's work and then to give feedback. You know what's interesting about this is Tolkien gave Lewis was key in giving Lewis the gift of faith. Lewis came to Christ as a Christian later on in life in his 30s, was an atheist, kind of ardent atheist. And Tolkien was a Catholic. And it was through his influence, in large part, that Lewis became a Christian. So Tolkien kind of gave Lewis the gift of faith, and Lewis gave Tolkien the gift of encouragement. Tolkien lacked confidence. He never believed, isn't this something to think about? He never believed anyone would want to read his books. And so as they gave feedback to each other in this small group, Lewis would give him encouragement. And later, Tolkien wrote this about Lewis. He said, the unpayable debt that I owe to him was not, quote, influence, unquote, as it is ordinarily understood, but sheer encouragement. He was for long my only audience, only from him did I ever get the idea that my, quote, stuff, unquote, could mean more than a private hobby. Isn't that amazing to think about? That were it not for Lewis and his encouragement to Tolkien, these books may have never been published. Friends, we have that kind of power with each other to see in another person what maybe they could never see in themselves and to give them encouragement. I think this is one of the reasons why we have small groups in our church and why I believe so strongly in them is that we have a group of people who are walking with us and get to know us and can call out in each other what we could never see in ourselves. That's what I think God calls us to. God encourages us. He comes alongside of us, calling out words of encouragement. He builds us up, and he calls us to do the same amen amen God we thank you that you have given us the power and the ability to see in another person what they may never see in themselves that we can call out in them the strengths the gifts that they may never have the confidence to use uh, on their own so Lord may we be that kind of church may we be the filling station where we encourage each other, build each other up, call out the gifts in one another, just as you do with us. We pray these things in Christ's name.